The Bar Star Podcast is a show that aims for something a little different. It's hosted by a drummer who thinks he's a musician. But let's be honest. I know and you know that drummers are not musicians, right? Or are they? Hang on a second. Who wrote this crap? This is garbage. Nobody's going to listen to a show put on by somebody they haven't heard of. It's stupid. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Bar Star Podcast. I am your host, Stephen O'Reilly, and I want to thank you guys for hanging out with me again for another week of my rambling and whatever's going on and whatever decides to come out of the hole in my face. I uh, hope everybody had a good week. I hope everybody is doing well. And as always, I hope you guys all went out and did some shit. I don't have anybody in here with me, so today... I am flying solo. Before I get started on my main topic, I want to give a quick shout out to... I just said shout out. What is this, the fucking 90s? Wow. I want to say thank you to my sponsor, Prophecy Inc., for sponsoring the show. I greatly appreciate it. If you did not check out my hang with Travis King, you need to go back and check out that show. Go ahead. I'll wait. I'll be here. Still waiting. I know, that show's kind of long. Anybody that mentions the Bar Star podcast at the shop gets 10% off their tattoo by any artist in the shop, not just Travis. And I think that's amazing, and I think it's very cool of him. He's supporting me. I support him. It's a happy world, and everybody wins. You can check them out at facebook.com slash prophecyinc, prophecyinc.com, or you can just go by the shop at 907 Baxter Avenue. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about today is something that's bothered me for a while uh, because I just don't get it. I know I say that a lot, uh, but some things I just don't get it. I'm like, well, well, how does that thought even exist? It makes no sense. But what I call elitist music snobs or assholes, either one, they both work. Uh, And what I mean by that is people that just dismiss everything. Everything sucks, this band sucks, that artist sucks, that singer sucks, this guy's terrible. I just don't understand where that attitude comes from and how somebody can even have that kind of an attitude. Why I decided to talk about this today is there are a few people, well, they're they're guys. There's a few guys that I come into contact with on a pretty regular basis. Uh, They're not friends, but I unfortunately have to deal with them. And they just hate everything. Anything that's pop, anything that's rock, anything that's, I guess, mainstream, they just can't stand it. And what I don't understand is how people just decide they want to be artsy-fartsy for the sake of being artsy-fartsy. That doesn't make any fucking sense to me. You either like something or you don't. I tend to think that what I consider the elitist music snobs, they're just people that are trying to stay away from a certain thing because they think it's cool and they're trying to be cool and they're trying so hard to be different that they just go out of their way to shit on anything. And I just, I don't really get it because most of them aren't even, they're they're not even deserving of the attitude that they have. First of all, what have you done? Do you even play an instrument? Because a lot of them aren't even musicians. I mean, how can you look at a song or a band and go, oh, that band sucks. 
how do you know? You don't even play an instrument. You don't know what sucks and what doesn't suck. And then there are the musicians that say that kind of stuff. And then I kind of scratch my head and I think, well, what have you done? Have you paid any dues? Have you played a bunch of gigs? Have you spent millions of hours trying to perfect your craft and trying to get better at your chosen instrument? And then there's the whole part where they don't appreciate the past, especially with the with the younger guys. Uh, I, I just, how can you dismiss the past? I hate to tell you whether you like it or not. If the past hadn't happened and music history hadn't happened the way that it happened, you wouldn't be digging on that shit that you dig on, whatever it happens to be. I, I said, I got really drunk one night. And I said, everything that evolves, revolves. And I woke up the next morning and went, that's kind of cool. But it's true if you think about it. it. Fashion, art, music, especially music, TV and movies, I mean, they remake everything. Everything has a remake now. But I just don't get how you can dismiss the past. Oh, that's the past and they don't know what you're doing. Mm, yeah, they were kind of the innovators of all the shit that you listen to now. And all the shit that you think that's cool, it's probably already been done. For example, I was searching for some music the other day, uh, and I don't even remember what I was looking for. I found something by a band done in the 70s called, the band is called Boney M, and the name of the song is Ma Baker, and they were from Germany, and there's a section in that song, it's kind of like their pre-chorus, and it's the same exact stutter and almost the same key, but it's the same stutter and cadence that Lady Gaga uses in her song Poker Face. Almost everything that's being done now came out of the past. I mean, everything had to start somewhere. There's not anything that's truly, truly original anymore. And it just kind of, I guess I say it every episode because I'm fucking old and I've been doing this forever. I guess I just see things like that and it kind of annoys me because part of it I've lived through. I've literally lived through. Uh, I saw all this and all that and this kind of music come and go and that kind of music come and go. And then you get people that are, you've got guys that are in their late 20s, early 30s now, and they think that everything from the past sucks. Yeah, you know what? There was some stuff in the past that wasn't that good. Uh, I've talked about that on a couple episodes. Jess and I were talking about some of the stuff in the 90s. But I think if you go back through music history and you look at the risk takers and the people that took chances. I, did it work? Was it popular? Did they sell a lot of records? Uh, doesn't matter. They at least tried something. They they put themselves out there and they tried something musically to see if it worked. And I, for one, I'm just speaking for me, obviously, I respect the shit out of that. If you're going to try something and you're going to put yourself out there, eh, let's throw this at the wall and see if it sticks. I mean, I'm so across the map. It, it's just kind of silly. You guys have, have been listening to the show long enough. I listen to everything from Neil Diamond to Slipknot. It, it's just an appreciation for music. I like what I like and I don't like what I don't like. Uh, but I would never say anything sucks. You make a record, you get in a van or a tour bus if you're at that level or a car or you go down the street, it doesn't matter. But if you get on stage and play your show and play your music the way that you want to play it and the way that you feel it, you kind of win. I respect that. I just don't get how I just don't get how people dismiss it and say, "Oh, well that song sucks." I I just it really makes no sense to me. Cuz like I said, who are you to say that something sucks? You don't like it, you don't like it. Uh for example, I was talking to somebody the other day, we were talking about uh country. There's a whole lot of country I don't like. There's a ton of it I don't like. 
but some of it's actually really, really good. It's really good music. Uh, the the storytelling is amazing. In the instrumentation, whether it was the the Nashville Studio Cats that did it, or the particular band that did it, or an artist's band that they keep with them, doesn't matter. Uh, whoever did it, I mean, the music could be really, really cool, and I like some of it. You guys have already heard me rave about Keith Urban. I mean, I love Keith Urban, but I don't like all of his stuff. Some of his stuff, I'm just, eh, it's all right. I don't dig it that much. A good example of what I mean is there was an artist in the 90s. Everybody knows him by now, or at least heard of him, Garth Brooks. I was never a huge Garth Brooks fan. I could give a shit less about his music. It just does nothing for me. But I have massive amounts of respect for that guy because he did something in the 90s that not a lot of country artists were doing. He took his stuff mainstream, and he sold, good God, how many millions of records that guy sold. I have no idea. Tons. Shit tons of records. I guess I could stick it in my Google box and find out how many millions of records he sold. It baffles me how somebody can say that that guy sucks. He doesn't suck. He's just not for everybody. All right, so according to Wikipedia, because I Googled it while I was sitting here, according to the RIAA, which is the Recording Industry Association of America, uh, he is the best-selling solo album artist in the United States with 148 million domestic units sold, ahead of Elvis Presley and is second only to the Beatles. Mm. He is also one of the world's best-selling artists of all time, having sold more than 170 million records. Yeah. Uh, he wins. Like I was saying a second ago, I'm not a huge fan of him. But the guy did something right. He definitely did something right. And that's what I'm getting at. I just don't understand how you can dismiss something and say that it sucks. It doesn't suck. You just don't like it. You guys know how I view success. And and I'm not saying that everything is about money and success and fame and all that shit. That's not what I'm getting at here. But if somebody has sold 170 million records, and keep in mind, that's before downloads and streaming and the Spotify's and the Napsters and the iTunes and the Rhapsodies and all that stuff. So who knows what the actual total is, but that's 170 million physical record sales. He's done something right. A lot of people dig him. So it's not for any of us to say that the guy sucks or not. I just don't get it. Um, So that's kind of my little small short rant on elitist music snobs. If you don't like something, man, you don't you don't like it. You don't have to say that it sucks and just throw them into the ground. Oh, that's the worst song ever. Re- really? Is it really the worst song ever? Really? Or do you just not give a shit about it? Because there's a big difference. I hear tons of songs every day. And I'm just like, eh, I don't really care about that song. I'm not going to dog it. I'm not going to say that it sucks. Or that that band, so- oh, that band should. I mean, there's the three guys I was talking about earlier. One of them actually said, uh, I think a Journey song came on, and the one dude looked at me and he goes, man, that's the worst song ever. That song should have never, ever even been released. How do you even come to that conclusion that that song should have never been? What? Who doesn't like Don't Stop Believing? That being said, I could see how people are sick of hearing it. I get that. It's been out for a long time, and millions of people have heard it a million and one times. I mean, does anything really suck, does it? I just, I don't know. I I don't think anything sucks. I just don't like certain things. There's a lot of shit that I don't like. There's a lot of shit I can't stand. 
I won't listen to it because it makes my eyes hurt. But I, I don't think it sucks. There's something for everybody. Somebody likes it. If there wasn't a market for it, whether it's a small market or a big market, doesn't matter. But if there wasn't a market for it, it wouldn't be available. It'd just be a bunch of dudes jamming in their basement or in their garage or whatever. So just think about that next time you go to slam on something and just say, well, that band sucks. So that brings me to social media issues. So this week in social media issues, I'm going to kind of go with the same theme of the elitist music snobs, and I'm going to talk about over-the-top negativity. Uh, Everybody's saying this or that sucks. And we've covered it a little bit. A few of my hangs that have been in here with me have talked about it, and we've talked about this sucks or that sucks or the keyboard warriors or whatever. I call it typey, typey, typey. It's just all kind of silly, but... I just find it amusing and interesting at the same time when there's the the instant bashing of anything that gets posted. Whether it's music or a picture or my dog shit a Twinkie, it doesn't matter. There, people are so fast to jump on it and just rip on it. And it's, oh, that sucks. That's the worst thing ever. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, so-and-so could have done it better. So-and-so is a better player than that. You can tell I really, really, really like this part, can't you? And then there's the, the everything sucks. Oh, well, that sucks. Oh, well, that sucks. Oh, well, that band sucks. Oh, well, that artist sucks. Again, does anything really suck? I mean, is your life that shitty that you just have to crap on everything else and say that everything else sucks because you don't like it? Or is it more because you're jealous because you haven't done anything and you haven't gotten to the level that you want to be at by playing an instrument or being in that position that so-and-so band is or so-and-so artist is? Maybe it's just bitterness. Maybe it's just jealousy. If you don't like it, keep your fucking mouth shut. Because all it does is just causes a bunch of internet arguments and Facebook arguments and Twitter beefs and stupid comments on social media back and forth and back and forth. And again, you're not going to say that to somebody's face. And if you do, you, you just you talk about it for five minutes and you move on. It fascinates me on the old interwebs that Nickelback is the poster child for being bashed, which that I've never understood either. And I know you guys are going to send me some nasty grams and say, oh, you're a Nickelback fan. I don't know if I'm necessarily a Nickelback fan, but those guys put on one hell of a show. They're great musicians. And again, they've got the numbers to back it up. They've sold more than 50 million records, and they are the second best-selling foreign act in the U.S. behind the Beatles. I mean, they did something. They don't suck that bad. They put on great shows. They write hooky songs. People like them. People can relate to them. Why does that make them suck? Not to mention, I will say, the production on their records is over-the-top cool. Super slick production, and you guys have already heard me talk about production values. But you can't, you just can't really say that that band sucks. You can say you don't like them. You can say you hate them. You can say they're absolutely not. They know your cup of tea. I get it. I completely get that. I don't even own any Nickelback records. Uh, there's a few tunes that I think are really, really cool. Uh, I think they're great musicians. I think they're really good songwriters, but I'm not going to die on a sword for Nickelback. I'm just using them for an example because 
they're, like I said, they're the poster children for being bashed. I heard an interview with them, with the whole band on uh, Eddie Trunk's podcast. And Eddie Trunk actually asked him about that. And Chad, the singer, he started laughing about it. He said, man, he said, I don't know. I guess we're an easy target. He said, I don't really care because my bank account says different. And that was pretty much the end of the argument. He wins. Okay, dude, you win. But again, why are you going to... Why are you going to keep beating a dead horse? You don't like something, you don't like something. I just think there's way more important things to do than spend 20 or 30 minutes online bashing a band or bashing an artist or bashing a certain musician. Hey, you don't like somebody, you don't like somebody. Move the fuck on and get over it. There's uh, there's more important things. Hey, how about you go out and actually do something? Ooh, there you go. Why don't you go do some shit? Get better at your instrument if you are a musician. Go practice. There you go. She go fucking practice. And maybe you can be good as some of those guys that you say suck. Just a thought. Social media issues were short today because I don't I'm kinda tired of talking about that shit. So let's talk about something fun. Here's stories from the stage. So this week I got a good one. Okay, I'm gonna say that every time. But I really dig this one. This one was a fun one. Uh, this actually got almost a whole chapter in the book as well. Back in 96, 95, not real sure. Uh, memory sucks. But uh, the metal band I was in, the same metal band that played in a hippie bar, uh, we opened up for Napalm Death and At the Gates. It was a triple bill. I, I think I don't even think I was 21 yet. Not real sure. I was barely 21. Might have been right before my 21st birthday. Who cares? I was 20 years old opening for a metal band that was entering legendary status at that point, and then an, an up-and-coming metal band that uh, I don't really even know what happened to them. Not real sure. But point is, we were going to open for them. We were opening the show. So we were all obviously super excited and super pumped and all that kind of happy shit. So we got to the venue early because we didn't know what was going to happen. We figured we would pretty much be an afterthought with the local metal dudes opening up for Metal Giants. The show was sold out. I don't remember the capacity of the room. Uh, it doesn't even matter. So we decided to get there early just to see what kind of standing we would have and to make sure that we would at least have enough stuff to put on the show. Like, uh, I don't know, a sound guy? Maybe some microphones? That would have been cool. So we're there and we're waiting on the two bands to show up and we're all outside just kind of shooting the shit and doing what dudes in metal bands do and sit around and bust each other's balls and say dumb shit to each other. So these tour buses pull up, two black tour buses. As they were pulling in the in the parking lot and they kind of parked and they dropped their air ride down and the doors opened and this singing guitar just went off in the distance and the hair just kind of came out of the bus before the... I'm totally fucking lying. So these dudes come out of the bus and it was... I think it was Napalm Death that got there first. And then the second bus was at the gates. We we all go inside. We introduce ourselves, and they were they. I mean, they were cool. They weren't dismissive or anything, but they weren't super welcoming. But they were all cool dudes. And so we're inside, and this guy comes up to me, and he's he's. I want you guys to picture this. This guy walks up to me, and he's wearing sabagos, a pair of khaki shorts, and a polo shirt. I was like, all right, cool. This guy must be the the manager or something. Whatever. No no biggie. We go on about it, and we we've kind of come to a conclusion of how we're going to set everything up and how the thing's going to be backlined. So Napalm Death sets up their rigs and then At The Gate sets up their rigs and then that leaves us to set up in front of them. 
It's probably a medium-sized stage. And for those of you that don't know a whole lot about the heavy metal bands, like the heavier bands, like a Napalm Death or something like that, those drummers all have gigantic rigs. Their rigs are fucking huge. Uh, two kick drums, 47 toms, 47 cymbals. It's just outlandish. So there was two of those. And then my rig, two kick drums, 47 toms, 47 cymbals. It was just stupid. I could not get my rig on stage in front of their shit. There's two giant drum kits on stage, and they're trying to figure out where to put me. So I'm standing there with my arms crossed, kind of staring at the stage, trying to figure it out, because my kick drums, both of my kick drums, would literally would be hanging off the edge of the front of the stage, which means my guys would have nowhere to stand and all that kind of garbage. There's a few of us standing there, and I'm standing there with my arms crossed, kind of getting frustrated, going, well, it's opening for national bands, isn't all it's cracked up to be. Sebago dude shows up. He looks at me, and he has some kind of weird accent. I'm not even going to imitate it because I can't. He says, well, why don't you just set up sideways? And I said, set up sideways? He says, yeah, face the opposite wall. I said, okay, that actually might work. He said, yeah, because then your guys can stand over on stage left and you can have all of stage right and they'll still have room to move around and your stuff's not going to fall off stage and everybody wins. I was like, all right, that's cool. And so I shook his hand and come to find out Sebago dude was the drummer for At The Gates. Never in my life have I seen a metal drummer for a super heavy metal band wear Sebago's khaki shorts and a polo shirt. It was bizarre. Okay, but that's not the point of the story. So we set up. Everything's going fine. We do sound check. Everything sounds great. We start the show, and the place is packed. I'm super pumped. My first really big show. We're rocking our asses off, doing our thing, and the right side of my drum kit falls off the front of the stage. I'll wait till you're done laughing. Okay, that wait was way too long. It was just getting uncomfortable. It did. The right side of my rig fell off the front of the stage. Just all over the floor. Drums and cymbals just kind of going everywhere. It was a fucking mess. Thankfully, we had a couple guys with us that just came right around the corner and picked up my rig, the parts of my rig that fell off, picked them up and kind of shoved them back on stage. And I didn't miss a beat, pun intended. I didn't miss a beat. I just kept going. I, I just remember... Looking over at the right side of my rig going, fucking really? Seriously? In this show, a huge show like this, and part of my rig falls off the stage. So fucking stupid. It's funny now. Funny now. There you go. Part of my rig fell off the stage at a triple bill metal show. Now that I think about it, it's kind of had a lot of bad shit happen at metal shows. Hmm. Weird. So let's move on to what am I listening to? So today I'm going to talk about an artist that may or may not make my 10-day album challenge. Carl Stuck, thanks for nominating me for that shit. I don't like doing those because it makes me feel like I have to pick a favorite, and I'm, I'm just so bad at doing that. I can't pick a favorite anything. But I'm not sure where I will be in the 10-day album challenge when this episode drops. So today I'm going to talk about an artist named Angie Aparo. I mentioned him in the Travis King episode. Uh, and he, he's just a, a phenomenal singer songwriter. And I hate to even call him a singer songwriter because I, I think he's so much more than that. He's so talented. 
He's so good at guitar, and he's such a fantastic singer, and he writes some amazing songs. Uh, but he has a very interesting history. He had, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's got seven records. Uh, one that was just released in 2018. It was released, I think, a month ago. And that is a very different record from anything he's ever done. Because in 2016, he had a stroke. He lost his short-term memory. He lost the ability to play guitar. He had to relearn everything. He had to teach himself everything all over again. And the cool part is he did it with the help of Siri. And I'm actually going to read you guys something off of his website because I thought it was cool. This is from Angie on his website. It's hard to believe I haven't made a record in 10 years, but here it is. Life is a flower, life is a gun. This album was made during the most painful time of my life, my stroke, and then subsequently my divorce. I was only a third of the way done with the album when I suffered the stroke, but with God's hand, I was able to relearn my music and write and rewrite the album to completion. When I was able to return to the studio, I was afraid my short-term memory would never come back, so I had a crazy idea. I decided to remake the album with Siri. Maybe Siri can be my rapper, I laughed to myself. Maybe she can recite the verses I've written and I could read a prompter to sing the choruses over her. Maybe it's just crazy enough, I wondered. So I began. I asked Siri to read back my poems as I held my phone up to the microphone. And it worked. I sang short pieces of music, balancing them cautiously around her recordings of my poems. But little did I know, something miraculous would happen. The first song I made with Siri was Church Bells vs. The Televisions. He goes on to say, he goes on to talk about his um, his short-term memory issues. And, and then he had aphasia, which aphasia is his brain knew the names of everything sitting on a table in front of him, but his mouth couldn't tell you what they were. He had to relearn a whole lot of basic motor skills, and that had to suck for anybody. But for him to come back from that and just crush this album, it's a different album for those of, there are a few of you that listen to me. I know that you've, I've turned you on to Angie before, but for the majority of you, you probably have never heard of him. But that record is really, really different because of his stroke and because of what he went through. But it's so good and it's really cool that he he was determined. He didn't give up. He said, nope, not going to happen. He just kept on rolling. And Siri is all over that record. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. But his back history, he's, his first record is called Out of Everywhere. He came out in 96. And then he released a record called The American in 99. And in 2000, he had a hit off of that record called Spaceship. It was a minor hit. And that's where I heard of him. I heard him in 2000. I think I was living in Charlotte. Uh, he came. That song came on the radio. And it was one of those songs that I just went, whoa, that's just so fucking cool. And in 2002, Faith Hill re-recorded a song off of that record called Cry. So any of you that have ever heard Faith Hill's song Cry, that's actually Angie Aparo's song off of the record The American. That's a mouthful. Anyway, when she did it, it spent 11 weeks at number one. That's pretty badass. And then a couple years later, uh, or a year later, whatever it was, my timeline's a little off, but Tim McGraw, who is Faith Hill's husband, he recorded another song off of Angie's record The American, a song called Free Man. So he's definitely... He got some success, and, and I'm all happy for him. That's, that's amazing. But his records are just so good. He's got another record called One with the Sun, 
that he did in 2001, and it's all covers. He he covered all these tunes his way, uh, everything from the Beastie Boys to Alice in Chains. It was just really, really interesting how he did it. He put his spin on everything and covered the songs the way that he felt they needed to be covered, and they don't sound anything like the originals, which, of course, me being me, I think is amazing. I think they're really cool. Then he did another record called Four Stars and Moon in 2003 that's kind of got uh, like a little Beatles kind of throwback vibe to it. And then he's got a couple more records. And I just think he's an amazing artist and he's definitely worth checking out. I just tell everybody to start with The American. He's just so good and that record is so good. He was signed to Arista and I don't have proof of this, but my opinion on that record is when they released it, they tried to market him to kids, so to speak, and kids just didn't get him. He was he was over their heads because his songs are pretty damn smart. And again, I don't have proof of that. That's just my shitty opinion. And for those of you that did listen to the Travis King episode, I talked about Stacy having her first real musical moment when I took her to see Angie a few years ago. Because uh, I've seen him nine or ten times, I can't remember, and then I finally took her to see him because he came to Nashville and you listen to the Travis King episode, you heard that story. So I would definitely check out Angie Aparo if I were you. Uh, start with The American and then go from there and let me know what you think about it. Hit me up on the face space or you can email me at barstarpodcast at gmail.com. I'm still waiting on some more emails from you guys so I can do a bonus show. Hello, bonus show. It's free. Come on, dudes. Send me some questions. Well, that's it, kids. That's the show for the week. I hope you learned something. I hope you got something out of my opinion of elitist music snobs or assholes. Either one. I think everybody just should pipe down on the negativity. Nothing sucks. I mean, does it really suck? I, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm just turning into one of those old, get the fuck off my lawn. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I do know that I have... Pretty much as far back as I can remember. Never said anything really sucks. Say I don't like it. I'll even go as far as to say I hate it. Or I'd rather somebody kick me in the nuts than have to listen to it. That doesn't mean it sucks. It's just not for me. So think about that next time you go to bash on something. Oh, that guy sucks. Does he really suck? Or are you just being an asshole? So I hope you think about those kinds of things next time you get something new or you hear something new. And as always... I hope you guys go out and do some shit. Seriously, beat it. Fuck out of here and go do something. So until next time, I will talk at you soon.